Welcome to the Post-Narc Life Podcast. It's time to leave behind the narcissist narrative and build an amazing life that you love. You got through, but you're not done. We're going to build your next level of wealth, create healthy relationships, find deep self-connection to expand your unique impact on this world, and leave behind a legacy of love. I'm your host, Laura, by the way. I've been there. I get it. And I've got you. Let's go build your post-narc life. Hello, hello. Welcome back. How's everyone doing? It's October of 2022. Can you believe that? We're already eight months, sorry, 10 months, (laughs) 10 months through the year. We're going to be closing out 2022 here soon, welcoming in 2023. I just can't believe that time is just continuing to pass as it always does. This week uh, has been a little crazy, I'm not going to lie. We've had various sicknesses run through the family, power outages for multiple days. It's uh, been a little bit of a circus. So today we're going to kind of go off the cuff a little bit. Normally I prepare an entire script and I don't necessarily read it word for word. I like to improvise a little bit as, as I go through the script itself. But today, today will be script free. So we're going to see how that goes. <laughs> uh, post-narc life. Post-narc life. How is everyone doing with their post-narc life? Last week, we talked about holding compassion and also understanding the reality of your narcissist situation, because that is a tricky thing to hold. And it take it took me many years to get to that place. So if you're not in that place yet with your narcissist situation, that's okay. It doesn't mean anything's gone wrong, but that is the invitation that I hope to invite you to later on, eventually, at least that's the invitation. It's not necessarily required that you quote, get there, but where, from where I'm standing, it's a really peaceful place to be. And it also isn't self-delusional or you're, you're not lying to yourself about your situation. You understand reality and you can feel peace and compassion about it in a way that keeps you safe. And so I highly recommend it. I think it's the best way, but it may not be for everyone. So I hope things are going well for you. You, If you're listening to this, it's likely you do have a narcissist in your life. I want to just validate that that's not easy. It's kind of a minefield. I speak with people in this situation literally every day. And the number one thing that they really need in their life is a sense of peace and a sense of, of relief from what it is they're feeling. And I hope that this podcast and the work that we do together leads you down that path of not only relief, but a sense of deep inner peace. And also that be the jumping off point for you so that you can go on to create great things in your life. But if you're not in that place yet where you want to create amazing big things, that's okay too. You don't have to do all of it at once. I say, take it one step at a time. It's all happening at exactly the pace it should happen and everything happens at the exact right time. I truly believe that. And sometimes terrible things happen, right? I have been through some terrible things and I can look back on those instances now after many years of processing and grieving and changing and integrating these aspects of my life into my life. I can look back on those and I can feel sometimes grateful for them. I can feel peaceful about them. Sometimes I can feel like, yep, how do we know that they were supposed to happen? 
well, they happened. That's how we know. And that to me, I, I like that particular mindset because it makes me feel like I don't have to have control of everything all the time. I think being in a narcissist relationship is about having control and it's, it's on both sides. When you're in a narcissist relationship, yes, the abuser or the narc is going to try to control you using your emotions, words that they know make you feel certain things. But on your end of the spectrum, you're also trying to get that control. You're trying to say whatever you got to say to appease that narcissist. You're trying to erase yourself, change things, be better, abuse yourself ahead of time so that you can control your environment around you. And it doesn't mean you're a control freak by any stretch, but it's about understanding that peaceful acceptance of what reality is and knowing that you don't have to control anything. The only thing you need to be in control of is yourself, is your own thoughts and your own emotions. That's it. You don't have to be in control of what the narc thinks, what they say, what they do. Is what they think terrible? Yes. Is what they say terrible? Absolutely. Is what they do the worst? Yes, of course. I validate that. Absolutely. But we're, we're simply not in control of what they think and do and feel. We just aren't. And as soon as you let go of that, the more peaceful your life is going to be. Now, does that mean we sit there and take everything and we never hold up boundaries and we never hold them accountable? No, that's not what that means. It means you shift from your thinking that your control lies in changing their minds, making them think something differently, making them feel something differently, making them do something differently in order to make you feel safe. We shift from that to what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What are my boundaries? What do I tolerate? What do I not tolerate? And building that strength to be able to stand up for those things so that when you're in a narcissist situation, you are emotionally safe, not because of what they say or do, but because of what you do, because of what you think, because of what you feel. This week I had a really interesting experience. <laughs> so I don't know if she's listening. So if she's listening, I... I'm grateful that you're here listening. I had, um, once upon a time I had a former client and she's amazing. She's living her best life. And I recently got an email from her mother and her mother is a wonderful human being. Absolutely. She was very kind and polite, but I could tell on this email that a lot of different things were going on. She was reaching out to me because she wanted to understand what was going on with her adult daughter and why they were not in contact anymore. And she was believing that her daughter's erroneous belief about her being a narcissist is what is keeping her away from her and from seeing her grandchildren. And so her job, her, her intention in her email was to try to help me understand that, that she's not a narcissist. And that if I can understand that, maybe I can go back and convince my former client that her mother's not a narcissist and that this whole thing has been one big misunderstanding and that she should let her mother back into her life. And I just, I just want to validate. I don't know if anyone who is listening has a daughter or adult children who have cut contact with you. If that's the case, I just want to validate how terribly painful that is. Absolutely. That is extremely difficult. And I completely understand that there's so much grief there. There's a lot of, you know, a sense of unfairness, a sense of injustice, right? I mean, did you really do anything to deserve being treated this way? You know, like just these questions and 
you know, you're, you're being deprived of years of being with this, the, these grandchildren that you love and that you hold dearly, that you want to spoil because as grandparents, it's your job to spoil your grandkids. That's what you're on this earth to do. Right. And to be held back from that is, is really such a loss that is, that is hard to explain to other people. And I, I just want to validate that that's a real thing. And I, here's the thing about narcissism. Okay. This is one thing that I want everyone to understand. True narcissism is found in about 1% of the population. That's like hundred percent diagnosable. They have all of the characteristics in the DSM seven. I think we're at, and they are truly horrible people who have zero empathy and pretty much the only thing you can do is cut off all contact with them. Right. That's, those are the cluster B type people, the psychopaths, the narcissists, the borderlines, the sociopaths, right? These people who don't really, are not really able to operate in society like normal people. These people, yes, they're diagnosable, but they're, they're actually really rare. However, with narcissism in this particular case, and maybe in all the other cluster B ones too, but narcissism has many faces and is on a spectrum. At least that's how I see it. I don't know that <laughs> psychologists and psychiatrists and PhDs will agree with me, but in my lived experience, they are on a spectrum and they use narcissist tools, narcissist tendencies to varying degrees and in varying ways. And my understanding of narcissism is that underneath all of those tools, all of those tendencies, all of those actions, those outward ways in which they abuse people is an emotional child who thinks that by using these harmful tools, they will get their emotional needs met. So when you really think about narcissism as extreme emotional childhood, and you think about people who may not qualify as a full-blown narcissist, but they are dealing in emotional childhood, right? They're, there's, they're going to use some narcissist tactics or tendencies or things to get what it is that they, that they need. And so is this mom a narcissist? Probably not, honestly. I, and in fact, when I work with clients, honestly, we don't even use the word narcissist hardly ever in our work together. It's kind of weird how that, how that happens. Like they come to me, they know they're dealing with a narc, or maybe they feel like they might be dealing with a narc, but we don't spend any time. Okay. They're definitely a narc. We're going through the DSM. We're crossing off and checking off the boxes. What we focus on is why they're in pain. What's going on in their brains? What's going on with their thoughts? What's going on with their emotions? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? What are the effects of uh, uh, the person in their life? And we do a lot of work to let go of blaming that person for any of the thoughts and feelings that they might be experiencing. And it takes some time to get to that place. But in the beginning, yeah, of course they're blaming the people in their lives. Of course, right? If I have a client who's co-parenting with a narc ex, then that client is going to be struggling because that person is not someone you can communicate normally with. That person thinks that normal co-parents do. They fight you. They abuse you. They put their kids in dangerous situations to try to get you to change your mind. They use their children as pawns. They don't follow through with court orders. I mean, it's just, it's a whole nightmare. And, and they do this with constant vitriol and, and backlash and, and, subtle manipulation tactics. And I can go on and on about that. 
But, you know, narcissist moms, and I have experience with this because I was raised by one, bless her heart, may she rest in peace, right? <laughs> Even my mom, right? I couldn't sit there and say, yeah, she's full-blown 100% narc. I don't think so, actually. I think that she has some narc tendencies. I think she's definitely a little further on the spectrum. The way that I assess when people come to me, you know, I use the spectrum to, or the idea of the spectrum to help me understand if the person in front of me can be helped or not. Because sometimes when you've been affected by a narcissist, sometimes as a survival mechanism, that person will adopt narcissist tendencies to an extent that they are unwilling to be aware of their own behavior, unwilling to face the own, their own pain, and it's not actually possible for me to help them. And so I can kind of gauge usually either on the consultation or, or something where we get together and I can kind of gauge, all right, are we dealing with somebody further along in the narc spectrum? Are they able to be helped? Are they able to be coached? And this isn't to you know be terribly judgmental and say, oh, you can't be you know helped at all. But when they come to me, when where they're at on their journey, sometimes coaching isn't the best fit for them. Sometimes they need to go to trauma therapy or other things like that. You know, I work with people who have dealt with narcissists but are trying to build the life that they want. Right? They have goals that they're trying to set, and so if they're really not in the space to be creating their goals and really not willing to look at their mindset and look at the pain that they've been in, look at their own thoughts, take responsibility for their own actions. If they're not willing to do that, then they're a little, I, I think I say in my mind, yeah, they're probably a little further on the narc spectrum than I can, I can help with. And is, you know, is that a <laughs> diagnosable tool that, you know, everyone across the psychological and psychiatric, you know, spe or not spectrum, but, uh, fields throughout the, the world. Are they all going to agree on that? No, it's just how I, it's a tool that I use to, to, to filter out the ones that come to me that can't be helped, but it actually doesn't happen very often. I usually don't, um, have people further on the narcissist spectrum come to me for help because usually they don't ask for help. Right. So it's pretty rare, but, uh, every once in a while it does actually happen. But with this mom, you know, I don't know her. I didn't have a conversation with her but, uh, I, I, we, we did exchange a couple of emails and the thing about it is that if, if a client has worked with me ethically speaking, and especially for my own boundaries and my own business, I, I don't confirm or deny that I have worked with anyone in that person's family. It's just, especially if that client has not given permission for me to talk to that family member. And so that is something that you know, it's client coach privilege, it's client coach confidentiality. And so I wasn't able to answer this person's questions, but I was able to direct her to other resources. I was able to validate the situation that she's in. I was able to, you know, send her to other clients who have been in her situation. And it's one of those things where if you're uh, a mom and your daughter calls you a narcissist, it's possible. You don't think you're a narc. You know, no one thinks they're a narcissist. I think this mom really very strongly believes that her daughter is wrong about her and that if her daughter changed her mind, that she would be able to have access to her and be able to see her grandkids. And the reality is, even if her daughter is wrong, which she might be, I don't know. We didn't really talk too much about diagnosing the mom. We just focused on her own pain, her own thoughts, you know, all of those things. And that client decided for her own reasons that she wanted to have no contact with the mom. That's, that's that client's choice. I never 
tell my clients what to do in that respect. I always leave it up to them. Going no contact for sure is an option. Staying in contact for sure is an option. Either way we learn, either way we figure out what it is that we actually want. In this particular client's case, I won't go into too much detail, but you know, after several weeks of work, she ultimately decided that she needed to have that particular space. And, it, and going no contact doesn't have to be forever. It can be temporary. It could be several years. It could be decades. It could be a few months. You know, it, it doesn't really have to mean, oh my gosh, you're, I'm done with you for the rest of time. But sometimes, sometimes people just need the space. And so if you're dealing with a daughter who has decided to go no contact, that has nothing to do with you even though it feels like it. And I understand why it would feel that way, but I promise you it actually has nothing to do with you. It's about her thoughts, her emotions, her goals, her dreams. And it's not up to us to change her thoughts and her emotions and her goals and her dreams in order to make us feel better, in order to make us change our our lives, change the circumstances in our lives that are causing us pain, right? I do have a few clients in that situation and it's not easy. And I don't sit there and say, well, who's the narc here? That's not my job. The narcissist is really just a survival mechanism. That's all it is. It's survival mechanism. It's tools to erroneously try to get needs met when in reality it's just causing harm to other people. But at the same time, if you're dealing with a narcissist, you need to understand that the harm isn't actually coming from them. It's coming from your buy-in of the narc dynamic. And as soon as you opt out of that, you will no longer be in pain, even if they never change their behavior. Because as soon as you learn how to manage your own thoughts and emotions and your boundaries, like I said earlier, you're going to get out of pain and you're going to feel a lot more peace, even if the narc never changes. I'm going to have another former client on the podcast here soon. She continues to co-parent with her narcissist ex and she'll tell you all the details. It's, it's so great. And he is still completely awful. He just is very cruel, very mean constantly. And she is completely at peace. It's amazing. It's, she's so amazing. (laughs) Just the way that she deals with him and the way that she manages herself and the way that she shows her children the, the way to be, because you know, it, it, it's one thing to be married to a narcissist and decide, you know what, I'm going to live my life and I don't need this in my life anymore. And you decide to divorce him. Great choice. It's not always the best choice to divorce. It's not always the worst choice either. You just, you just, just depends on your situation, but sometimes that's a great choice. And then your children who are in this situation, okay, they don't have a choice. They can't divorce their dad. That's not available to them. They're going to have to be raised no matter what, at least part of the time by a person who's emotionally unavailable and who uses them as pawns to get their needs met. This is, this is not a great reality for children, but it is their reality. You know, court systems are what they are and they do not recognize emotional abuse like they should. And so they still allow paternal rights and visitation rights. And when I was a kid, they were more inclined to give moms full custody. But nowadays the courts are much more inclined to offer half and half custody. And when the judgment is made, the judgment is made and there's no going back. And then I guess you can appeal, but it takes even more attorneys and 
you know, filings and all those things. And not all of us have tons of money for that. Right. And so it's a, it's a whole thing. And children in this situation can't divorce their dad. They don't have that option, but they do have the option to learn how to manage themselves, learn how to understand the difference between what dad does and what mom does. And if mom can show and model healthy behavior, if mom can say it ends with me, even if they spend time with dad, there's a really good chance they're going to be healthy adults. They're going to be able to mature emotionally. Is it going to be easy? No, it's going to be very difficult because they're going to have their time split between two parents. And that's going to be really challenging. And, and on top of that, if they're actively being manipulated by the other parent, they're going to be in fight or flight. They're going to be throwing their loyalty places. They're going to be worried about if a parent feels like they love them enough or not. They're going to feel like they need to people please that parent. I mean, it's just, there's so many emotional gymnastics that a child has to jump through because they don't have the ability to see like adults do. And so they're just in fight or flight trying to get their emotional needs met. And so it's, it's a really tricky situation for kids. It's a terrible reality, but it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean you've done everything wrong. It doesn't mean that these kids are going to necessarily end up like their narc parent or be totally distraught. Sometimes it does happen, but if you do the work, I promise you, if you do the work, if you learn how to set boundaries, if you show them appropriate limits, if you know how to love yourself unconditionally and you show them unconditional love regularly, if you show them that you deal with their their other parent kindly and with boundaries and you are taking care of yourself and you're not sucked into their drama, right? You can manage all of that regardless of the narc's behavior. You can do that. And you do that by doing the work on yourself. And when they see that, that is so much more powerful. And then on top of that, you have the skills to help them process their emotions. I have clients whose kids come back every time from their other parent. That's the narc parent. Every single time they have big emotional processing sessions, right? They just are in big emotions. They feel completely out of control. They, you know, throw tantrums They're They've had, you know, sometimes, 48 hours up to an entire week of being under the influence, under the emotional instability of a narcissist situation. And they come back to the healthy parent and they're just like melting down. And multiple clients have this situation and it's not a problem. It's absolutely normal and good that they do this because they're processing it out. And this is what I believe about human bodies. Human bodies are vessels Sometimes we're vessels of joy and comfort and love. And sometimes we're vessels of trauma. (laughs) Sometimes it happens and children are especially good at this. They process out their trauma and then they move on with their day. They move on with their life. Even if that trauma happens multiple times because they pass it through the vessel. They are like, I've just got to have this big emotional outburst and then I can feel okay again. Now, obviously it's not just that you still have to teach them that they can love themselves, teach them the right thoughts to think, and maybe not the right thoughts to think, but the thoughts to think that are, I love myself. I take care of myself. I am safe. I am loved. You know, those things, obviously we add to their emotional processing, but so much of the trauma that we experience is 
compounded because the adults around us shut us down and didn't allow us to process and were offended by our very real emotions. A narcissist can't deal with a child who says something that criticizes them. I was talking with um, another person this week and her mom, I think she told her mom one time, she said, mom, what you said really hurt my feelings. And the emotional backlash she got from that was unrelenting. I think she was actually kicked out of the house for saying that. Like a narcissist's parents cannot handle when their kids say something negative about them. And when you are in that situation, you are in fight or flight. And that parent is punishing you. That parent is shutting you down. That parent is making you feel like your feelings are wrong. All kinds of different ways to deal with that. And in your mind, right, you feel like, okay, I've got to shut this trauma down. It's not okay. This is bad. And you stuff it inside and it has nowhere to go. It hasn't been appropriately processed. And then it sticks around, right? And then we carry that trauma with us for years and sometimes decades. Ask me how I know, right? And so with little kids, if they have the opportunity to process out all of their trauma over and over and over again. They're in a safe space. They can tell mom anything they feel about mom. They can tell mom anything they feel about dad, right? And you're not going to shut them down. You're not going to, and you're not going to engage in the drama either, right? I I do not recommend to my clients that if their children complain about the other parent, that they engage in bashing that other parent. Absolutely not. Even if you agree with that child, (laughs) don't do it. Because the child is just processing emotion and it's your job to show up as the emotional adult. And the emotional adult is there to say, yes, tell me how that feels. That must, you know, be so hard. You are in so much pain. You must be so frustrated. You must be so sad. Tell me more about it. As opposed to, yeah, I know, isn't he the worst? Oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. I just, I'm so sad you have to go there every every other weekend. I'm just, right? You, that's not an emotional adult. That's somebody who's making it worse and making themselves feel better at the child's expense. And children don't need you to agree with them about their dad. They need you to to help them feel seen, help them feel heard. And you don't need to bash the other parent to help them accomplish that. The parent in their life is a neutral circumstance. And if you, the sooner you can believe that about yourself and about your child, the more peace you're going to have and the more emotional leverage you're going to have over the situation. They are a neutral circumstance. They say things and they do things. And we have thoughts about those things that they say and do. And we have boundaries about those things that they say and do. And you have to decide what are you going to tolerate about what they say and do? What is in your control, especially in a co-parenting situation? What's in your control that is given by court decree and judgments and expectations and what is not in your control. And, you know, do the authorities need to be contacted, right? And you can make that decision and make that call. But ultimately I had a, a a person reach out about this recently. They were concerned that their child was going to turn into the, the narc because they were starting to emulate the, um, the characteristics of the dad. And my response to them was, you can't, control how your daughter turns out. You can't control whether or not she turns into a narcissist. That is a survival mechanism. That is something that even she's not necessarily in control of because she's just trying to survive a very highly emotionally volatile situation. So your only job is not to make sure she never turns into the narc. Your job is to love her unconditionally, to have appropriate boundaries with her, to let her know, hey, I'm not going to tolerate this behavior. When you're at my house, we don't talk to mom this way. 
we don't act this way. And if you can't, if you can't live according to these boundaries, these will be the consequences. That's it, right? You, and then you do the work on yourself. You love yourself unconditionally, show up for yourself emotionally, love the life that you have, learn how to manage your thoughts and emotions, learn how to create the things that you want in life. And you become the example to that person. So that at least they have a choice. At least they have two options to choose from. And maybe they won't choose your option. Maybe they won't choose your path. That's okay. Sometimes that's what happens. And it doesn't mean that everything's gone wrong. It doesn't mean that you were a horrible parent and that you failed miserably. There are plenty of parents out there who have failed miserably and they're their children still made good choices, right? And there are plenty of parents who did it perfectly and their children still made poor choices. We are all on our own journey in life. We are all sent to this earth and come to this earth with our own brains, our own amalgamation of personality traits and genetics and the things that we choose in life are ultimately up to us, especially as adults. We choose our own path for our own reasons, for our own desires And yes, parents absolutely have a a huge role to play in that, but ultimately they don't have control over how it happens, over what their children ultimately end up doing. A lot of times we think we do, but we really don't. And, And we make our children's choices mean something terrible about us or mean something amazing about us, right? We take all the credit when they do great choices and we blame ourselves and beat ourselves up when they make bad choices. But what if you could put it in the neutral place and you can decide, I'm really happy for my child that they made this good choice, but it doesn't necessarily mean it was all your fault or it's all your credit that you did it. And also if they make terrible choices, you can feel sad and you can feel that loss with them and for them when they make those bad choices. And then you also don't blame yourself. And that isn't to say you never look at your own choices and actions that you made as a parent. I think it's not useful to, beat yourself up about something you can no longer change. But I also think it's not useful to be completely in denial about choices you may have made as a parent that may have contributed to the choice that your child made. I think in that situation, you can still look at the reality of what has happened as, uh, as you've tried to be a parent, we're all imperfect without making it mean that you were some horrible parent and that it's all your fault that everything's gone wrong. I think there's a beautiful neutral or middle ground for all of this where you can see the reality, have compassion for yourself and appropriate responsibility so that when your kids comes back to you and says, mom, I feel like because this and this happened when I was a kid, it made it so that I did this and I made this choice. And I, I want to talk to you about that. And you can say, you're right. I I did make that choice. I was like this as a parent. Tell me more about how you feel, how that affected you. I want to know more, right? And you're just opening it up to your child and you're allowing your child to feel all the feels, think all the things about you, even if they're wrong, even if they're right, it doesn't matter. What matters is that your child is in pain and that child is trying to heal. And if you can be a vessel or a help for that child to heal, that's the best thing you can do. And if you don't make it about yourself. If you know, you take your ego out of it, if you let them be wrong or let them be right, either one, it doesn't mean that you're a terrible failure. It just means you're a parent and parents make mistakes sometimes. So for example, when I was uh, first having babies, I was, gosh, 10 years ago, my son's 10 years old now. I remember the moment I gave birth to him, he left my body and 
my everything shut down. Like my emotions immediately shut down. I could feel it. It was a very strange experience. And from that moment on for the next seven years of my life, I struggled in postpartum depression. I had, I went on to have another child and a, and a few losses uh, between them and after them. And so for seven years, I was in this postpartum state of mind. It was very, very difficult. And I made some choices that I'm not necessarily proud of. I didn't know the coaching tools. I didn't have the help that I have today. And I raged out several times. Um, I probably did not help my child feel safe in those moments. Um, I let them watch TV probably way too many hours because I just simply could not get out of bed. I simply could not do life. And so TV was their mother for a long time. And so I can look at that and many other decisions I probably made during that time that I probably don't even remember, honestly, I can look at that and look at the reality of that situation and its effects on my kids today. I bet they are dealing with some of the effects of that, that they're not even aware of because they were so young when they had to deal with a postpartum mom. I mean, that's a tough situation for a little child. And I can see and have empathy for that and have compassion for that and also have empathy and compassion for myself because I was just, I was woefully unprepared for motherhood. I think I was dealing with undiagnosed ADHD and other mental health issues at the time. I didn't know the emotional and physical toll that motherhood would take on my brain and my body. I wasn't given any tools at all from the beginning. I was just expected to know exactly what to do and be totally happy and fine with it. I went from being a thriving post-college, working full-time, you know, building a career, possibly going into grad school to being a full-time mother of a newborn, full-time at home. And, <laughs> and, and it was just such a shock to my system mentally, emotionally, physically, that I, I literally shut down. I, I, I had no tools. I had no ability. And it took me many, many years to heal and pull myself out of it. And I did, and I'm really proud of myself, but for those many years, my poor children probably had to suffer a few things. And I am so happy to be there for my kids. If they come back to me and say, mom, I remember one time you yelled really, really loud. And it was, I was so scared and I didn't know what to do. I will say, tell me more. I, I know it, right. I, I bet that was really terrifying, you know, and, and I, it don't, I don't have to make it mean terrible things about me because I've done the work to, to heal myself. I've done the work to not beat myself up, to learn how to have compassion for myself while also taking appropriate responsibility. Yes, I did do that. I absolutely did. I'm so sorry. I did that. I'm so sorry you had to live through that. Right. Wouldn't it be nice if your parent did that for you? If they could say, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you had to live like this. I can't believe that you were under so much emotional pressure. I'm so sorry. Tell me more about how hard that was for you. Tell me more about how that's affected you in your life. I want to help. And you never like that parent never made it mean anything about themselves because they've done the work on themselves to heal. And they're able to be that safe space for their child that they weren't able to be for many, many years. It's never too late. That's my belief. As long as they're still alive, and even then, <laughs> I still don't believe it's ever too late to do that healing work. If you're a mom and you have adult children and you believe that they're calling you a narcissist and you don't think you're a narc, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I don't know. 
it, it's possible that they're completely wrong about you, but can you be an emotionally safe space for them to believe that you're a narcissist? Uh, even if it's not true, just so that they can have that space to explore and they can have that safety to tell you what their version of the truth is and create the healing for themselves. And then if you don't necessarily have to admit that you're a narcissist, you don't have to beat yourself up and you don't have to, you know, throw yourselves at the feet of them like some martyr and be like, I was the worst mother and I'm the most raging narcissist. And I can't believe you ever had to deal with such a terrible parent as me. No, we're not going to do that. (laughs) I've had many clients in that situation who've had parents deal with that. That's just another version of emotional manipulation, right? That's that, that's that parent going to the, the other extreme, you know, to elicit a bunch of guilt in that child, because it's not true that it was that extreme, probably the vast majority of us, right? But can you hold that space for them and yourself? Maybe they are wrong about you, but you decide whether they're right or they're wrong. I've got me. I love me. I'm here for my child. I can take appropriate responsibility for actions that I took. I did take that action. And you don't even have to explain yourself, right? They don't, your children don't need explanations for why you did bad things. Maybe they do. I don't know. But what's more valuable to a healing child is not, well, you need to understand why I did that thing. You need to have compassion on me, right? That's not what they need. Instead, they need to be heard. They need to be seen. They need to be understood. They need to be validated. Okay. Now for adult children who are listening, who have narcissist parents or or parents that may or may not be on that narc spectrum, who are listening to this and being like, wow, yeah, that's definitely not available for my parent. They're definitely not going to be able to say these things. That's, that's something that if that's not available to you, that that parent's never going to come and never going to say those things and create that beautiful space for you, right? Then it's your job to create that space for yourself. It's your job to validate yourself, to allow yourself to be seen by yourself. And that's not easy to do when you've been erasing yourself for decades, not easy to do. I validate that. But if you can learn that skill of, I see me, I love me, I know me, this is pain for me right now. Where is it coming from? It's coming from my thoughts. Why am I having these thoughts? Is it my fault? No. Does it come from a reality of a situation? Absolutely. How do I want to think? How do I want to feel? Do I just need to process it out right now? Do I just need me to have time to be sad, to be angry, to be whatever I need to feel that no one else let me feel when I was a child. That's your work. Would it be great if your parents came around? Absolutely. Send them to me. I would love to help them get to that place, but sometimes that's not available and that's okay. So hopefully this has been really helpful. I, I want you to know that I'm here for you. I, I want you to know that it's, it is possible to heal completely. It is possible to create healthy relationships, to live a life that is not constantly the up and down, the extreme cyclical drama that narcs tend to suck us into. It's possible to not have that regardless of the behavior of the narcissist in your life. You can create this for yourself, no matter what, that is the work that we do. And I am a testament to that. I've spent many years working on this very, very thing. A lot of the time, you're not going to find a lot of people who 
understand this journey that you're on, especially if you're in that dynamic, you have siblings and the siblings are just like, why can't you just make peace with mom? Why can't you just do the thing to make everything okay again? And remember those siblings are in fight or flight too. They're in a lot of pain and they think that you changing will change mom, which will make everything okay again. And they are wrong. They are unfortunately mistaken and they're also in a lot of pain. And so you can allow them to feel what they want to feel, think how they want to think, but you can have that boundary and say, thank you. I love you. That is not my path. I'm going, I'm choosing this for now. And to the moms out there with daughters that have gone no contact, um, if they've chosen that again, that is for their own reasons. And your job is to process out your grief. Your job is to allow what reality is. The thoughts of other people are not in our control. The actions of other people are not in our control. The only thing that's in our control is our own thoughts and our own feelings and our own emotions and our own actions. And if you can learn that skill, the sooner you can learn that skill, the more peaceful you're going to feel. And when your daughter is ready to come back, you will be ready for her. And so that's my invitation to, to you and to those dealing with any type of narc in your life, you've got this, you can do this. It's work, but you can do this. All right. Thanks so much for being with me today. Hopefully this was helpful (laughs) and we'll see you next week. Bye. Are you ready to take your post-narc life from dream to reality? I work with people just like you who've had to survive a lot of narcissist abuse and want to build things they never thought possible. If you want my help, I offer one-on-one coaching where we deep dive into your specific situation and clear out all the narcissist conditioning in your way so that you can start living the life you want. Feeling peace and setting boundaries? That is just the beginning. Go to laurabytheway.com to apply for your one-on-one coaching spot. See you there.